Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The cliches have been used so many times that they have worn thin. All options on the table, all means at our disposal, plan B, other tools in our box. These are of course intended to signal, indicate and threaten without being direct about it. This is prose rather than poetry because once a threat is issued, it has to be acted upon, which does not seem to be the case in the Iran nuclear standoff. So if diplomacy in Vienna fails, what measures can those nations and organizations concerned with Tehran's militant posture take in the political, military, and financial spheres? To analyze this, we are joined from Washington, D.C. by General Mark Kimmett, who is a former U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Political Military Affairs. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from northern Israel is Brigadier General, retired Brigadier General, I may add, uh, Relic Shafir, who is a former Israel Air Force commander. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Good evening. And with me in the studios are TV7 editor-at-large and host of both Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader uh, understanding of what is actually the so-called toolbox when we are talking about other options these days? Well, the Biden administration, at, le- at least up to now, uh, when asked what are these uh, other options, uh, came back with a very simple or may- maybe simplistic answer. If diplomacy fails, more diplomacy or another sort of diplomacy, but we will let our diplomats uh, find a way. Uh, we don't want uh, to... Uh, put more sanctions uh, in place, and the word military has not been mentioned by any uh, uh, spokespeople of the administration. Of course, when um, uh, questions are being asked, the questioners ask about uh, military operations, but uh, not uh, the uh, officials uh, who reply. But if we, uh, for a moment, uh, remind ourselves of uh, the late... General Colin Powell, he had, along with uh, former Defense Secretary Weinberger, some simple tests which um, he uh, put forward uh, as a lesson of the Vietnam War and before decision makers reached this momentous decision of going to war. What is the strategic purpose? Is there popular and congressional backing for it? And do you have an exit strategy before you take the first step. And one does not get the impression that the Biden administration, which um, only recently has signed off on the global uh, posture uh, document, has really thought through all of these moves. And therefore, it doesn't seem as if uh, an operation, a military operation is in the cards, even if Vienna fails. Indeed. General Kemet, I'd like to have your take on this, also based on your experience being at the time the spokesman of the Joint Chiefs uh, during the the invasion uh, into uh, Iraq, if I'm not mistaken, and and prior to that also Afghanistan. How do you see the United States at this stage under the Biden administration uh, dealing with the challenges at hand and actually 
uh, being in a position where it doesn't necessarily go for a diplomatic track, but rather looks into uh, forceful options and, and uh, ones that would put Iran maybe back on track on a diplomatic uh, path rather than where it's heading at this stage. I agree with the comments in the that preference, of course, is diplomacy. But I would also remind another Powell saying, which is the Pottery Barn saying, if you break it, you buy it. I think given the experience of both Afghanistan and Iraq over the past 20 years, there is a reluctance inside uh, both the Department of Defense and the Department of State for stronger uh, actions uh, other than what's being contemplated at this point. But to your issue with regards to planning, listen, I was chief of war plans at uh, Central Command for a period of time. I know that our planners were constantly working different options, different scenarios for anything that occurred inside of our area of responsibility. And to suggest that nobody is thinking through this, well, it certainly is the case that military planners uh, always look at these types of issues and are always planning and updating those plans as the situations dictate. Indeed. Uh, General. I, uh, General, I wasn't referring to contingency planning, but also to what happens at the highest echelon of the National Security Council, the president and the secretaries regarding the decision that they will have to make. Obviously, uh, staff work goes on all the time. Indeed. Yeah, that's correct. And all I would uh, say is that uh, you're exactly correct. It's not an issue that they haven't thought about it. I think they just don't want to think about it too hard because it takes them down a path that contradicts uh, their current foreign policy posture. General Shafir, your take on, on the planning and, and preparations. We hear, of course, reports uh, of IDF Chief of General Staff Aviv Kochavi uh, speaking about uh, the the instruction to expedite preparatory work to potentially strike Iran, not necessarily by aerial means, but uh, giving a general term to it. Uh, how do you regard this, and to what degree is the United States, and uh, or are the United States and Israel currently coordinated uh, truly on contingency plans or planning in general, uh, given also the fact that uh, Israel has been moved from Eurocom uh, to CENTCOM, which allows it more deeper coordination also with its other partners in the region? I don't think uh, military uh, activities in the cards at this time. Uh, one of the things that uh, we need to think about is, have you ever visited uh, a bazaar? Have you ever tried to buy something uh, in Turkey or in some other bazaar? Uh, then uh, without doing this, it's difficult to understand the Iranians. You go into a bazaar, the asking price is somewhere between twice or four times the end price. The buyer knows it, the seller knows it, and here the game starts. You walk away from the store, he runs after you, come back, and you start the wheeling and dealing. So the idea that the uh, um, whatever was put on the table by the Iranians, which is a walk away for Europeans and Americans, this is the way the Iranians do business. And uh, I think without visiting a bazaar and trying to buy, uh, it's hard to understand because 
as Europeans and Westerners, we look at the face value, the person across the other side wants uh, or tells you what he actually means. This is not what happens uh, with Iranians, I think. Um, and we need to take that into account. It's a kind of a clash of civilizations. As far as the military contingency plans, um, obviously Israel would like to have uh, the best coordination, intelligence sharing, and some of the uh, decision-making uh, uh, triggers and points that it would want to align with the U.S. Um, from the face value of what we see now, we're not there yet, and maybe the Americans don't want to be constrained by Israel, uh, and Israel is trying to push, to do some pushing and shoving, so that the U.S. would be kind of coerced into decision-making, or at least some kind of uh, um, understanding and uh, sharing that it may not want to, to do at this particular time. So we're seeing the uh, um, head of the Mossad and the uh, uh, Secretary of Defense for Israel traveling to the U.S. to try and kind of force this kind of an understanding. I'm not sure the other side or the Americans are ready for it yet. Mr. Owen? Uh, in order to illustrate the problem which um, General Kohavi is now uh, uh, trying to fix, uh, let me point to uh, a footnote in General Shafir's bio. He took part in a minor marginal action um, uh, intended to destroy Osirak, the um, Iraqi reactor. This was in June of 1981, but preparations for it started more than two years earlier in a different platform, the F-4. Relic Shafir and uh, his uh, buddies flew F-16s, which became available only later. The point is, uh, if Israel, if the Israeli Air Force uh, prepared an operation five, nine, 12 years ago, all of these skills have atrophied because um, uh, the uh, long-range uh, flights, the refueling, and the many other aspects were not needed uh, as long as the JCPOA was supposed to be in effect. Now that the need uh, is rising again, Israel has to invest uh, billions of shekels in order to renew these skills, perhaps not the same pilots, perhaps not uh, the same plans. The Iranians uh, have bolstered their air defenses um, by this time. So yes, um, the preparations must go on because if you don't have the capabilities, no intention is going to help you. Indeed. However, when we're looking at uh, the region and we are seeing uh, the, the Iranians' posture uh, in preparatory work for potential strikes or potential uh, attacks on its nuclear installations, among others, uh, we hear its proxies being much more vocal about what may happen if such an attack would occur uh, eventually, talking, of course, about Hezbollah attacking Israel, about Syrian uh, uh, Shiite organizations uh, also using Syrian territory to attack Israel, and uh, not to forget our American allies stationed in Iraq, uh, their Hashta Shabi and the various organizations uh, attached to that also have already declared this past week 
that they intend to turn Iraq into an entire battlefield, bringing about a, a frontal conf uh, confrontation. Not to forget, of course, Yemen and, and other areas where the Iranians have complete control, so to speak. What can you tell us about that? Well, but there's a paradox in what uh, you have been recounting. Because for all of this bravado by the proxies, if they see Iran being clobbered by whoever, Israel, United States, some coalition, then they will lie low. They are not going to commit suicide if their own mentors are, are down and out. So, of course, it's uh, for deterrence in order for uh, Israel and others to uh, calculate that these fronts, too, could erupt. But uh, if the decision is to go to war, and it is going to be a war, not only uh, one operation, because the Iranians will respond, scorched earth and uh, whatnot regarding the uh, Gulf uh, oil domes, uh, uh, then the Hezbollah and Hamas are not going to give Israel the opportunity to clobber them to. General Kimmett? Yeah, I would go back to the point about whether the U.S. would really support uh, actively these types of operations. Yes, we say that our relationship with Israel is unshakable, unbreakable, but I think under this administration it may also be unreliable. This is an administration that is looking to pull out of the region, not get actively involved in a larger way inside the region. And of course, all our confrontation with Iran would, in fact, uh, not only limit itself to uh, the Iranian territory and the Iranian targets, but it would spread throughout the region. So yes, we have the capabilities, the military capabilities, but I think that this administration is doing everything in its power uh, as your guest in the studio said, uh, to use diplomatic means, and if pushed even harder, to use more diplomatic means. General Shafil? Uh, I think we may see in the not-too-far future some uh, joint exercises between uh, Israel and the Gulf states in, the, uh, in that area. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if uh, would uh, uh, you know that we had a while ago some exercises with participants from that area, and uh, we may find our air force flying out there and training uh, close to the uh, Gulf. So uh, that would be one thing that uh, would try to change that kind of a uh, situation where. Uh, the Iranians have their proxies around Israel, close to Israel, but Israel will have its own, uh, I wouldn't call them proxies, but partners uh, in, closer to Iran. That's one thing. Another thing are the, uh, the Straits of Hormoz. Um, remember that it's pretty easy to choke Iran without going into war and make it difficult for them to have their ships come out of the straits into the open sea. So I think before we're talking about a strike, there are many uh, tangible um, sticks that the United States can use prior to using actual bombing in order to try to maybe even strangle Iran into uh, uh, some kind of an understanding. So the game, uh, it's, it's kind of a let the games begin. 
we've just started the first game or the first inning or whatever you want to call it. The Iranians played their game and we're going to see a series of plays until somebody chickens out. Now, who will chicken out first? Uh, that is a good question. And it also depends on how the United States can um, negotiate with the Russians and the Chinese into uh, coercing Iran to uh, come back to the table and be more reasonable. reasonable. So that's a, an, another quest, open question that remains to be seen. Well, as General Kimmett uh, uh, well remembers, uh, the uh, U.S. military, or specifically CENTCOM, as it morphed from the RDF, the Rapid Deployment Force, has already been in friction with the Iranians for um, eight years or so, ever since the uh, embassy was taken over in November of 79. And until the end of the Iran-Iraq war in mid-1988, there was... Um, an American operation against Iran. Of course, during that time, there was also the Iran-Contra uh, affair, which contradicted it. But the general tenor was of an American-Iranian tension, the reflagging operation, and uh, the uh, downing of Iran Air uh, as part of, of uh, uh, the readiness and sensitivity. So an American operation against Iran um, is uh, not not against the nuclear um, infrastructure, but for instance, um, the um, UAVs which uh, have uh, been striking maritime targets are based in certain uh, areas not far from Hormuz. Uh, a demonstration of the power of the United States or some other country, some other air force to obliterate those bases could well serve to tell the Iranians to uh, to take stock. However, lack of political will is the name of the game, and unfortunately this is the situation uh, in Washington at this stage. General Kimmett, care to give your perspective on this? Oh, I think you're exactly right. Uh, we've got to separate capability from intentions. You bring a U.S. aircraft carrier with 90 aircraft in it into the Persian Gulf, that's a very clear sign of American capability. You bring in two, that's even more capability. You start flying B-2s, long-range bombers, uh, even more capability. Uh, so there is no doubt in the minds of the Iranian leadership as to the capability of the United States of America and its coalition partners. Uh, the question is, what do we intend to do about it? What would it take before America would use that vast capability to do a series of graduated responses or preemptive actions against the Iranians? Uh, and I think at this point, all of us would agree that that uh, willingness is pretty low. Indeed, General Shafir, I'd, I'd like also to hear from you beyond the, uh, a response, which I, I'd like to hear. Um, to what degree is there true political will in Israel within the military echelons to contend with the reality or the consequences of a potential strike at a time when there is no political will, quote unquote, in Washington that would uh, provide us tailwinds to deal with those ramifications ultimately? Uh, unfortunately, I think the the will... Um, it may sound, we may sound bells and, and chimes that we're, yeah, we're going to war, but I don't think 
Israel and is at this time is really looking forward to ha to striking it alone. Uh, so I think we will uh, make all the uh, uh, necessary uh, plays and try to get the Americans to uh, side with our uh, view. But I don't think there is a uh, willingness or, or will uh, to go it alone. Um, so it's a kind of a game that all the sides are playing and moving their, their uh, uh, pawns on the uh, chess uh, board. Um, I also think that the United States is in a position where following Afghanistan, uh, it may be more uh, uh, in a position to show off, even to the Chinese, that it uh, talks business. So uh, if you draw away from too many fronts, then you're not really, you're reducing your reliability to such an extent that uh, you're not being taken serious either by the Chinese, the Russians in the Ukraine, or whatever. So I think uh, a limited pressure, graduated pressure on Iran uh, with serious uh, moves, like the B-1 that was flying over Israel about a, a month ago, uh, which was unprecedented, um, I think maybe uh, an, an American interest uh, that we're not thinking about. And I'd like to ask though, and, and those are questions that are very important. General Kimmett, if, if you may provide us a an American perspective to this at a time when we do see uh, partners in the region being concerned, of course, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan sent the wrong signal uh, to Washington's partners in the region. Uh, we're seeing the national security advisor of even the United Arab Emirates traveling to Tehran to communicate uh, with his Iranian counterpart about uh, various aspects, something that was unheard of just several months ago. Uh, we're seeing uh, Saudi Arabia holding d direct talks with the Iranians on trying to resolve all kinds of issues. Uh, to what degree is there mistrust currently in the United States and the region that may translate uh, into various ramifications that the United States has might have factored in but is not willing to contend with? Well, I think the major issue is why the reach to Iran by our Gulf allies is all of the issues go off the table if Iran develops a nuclear weapon and demonstrates that capability. Uh, the major danger, of course, is the existential threat that uh, creates inside the region for Israel. But it will also set off an arms race. Nobody believes that if Iran has a nuclear weapon, that that will somehow freeze nuclear development in the region. If Iran has a nuclear weapon, I would expect to see proliferation throughout the region, uh, inside of Saudi Arabia, inside the United Arab Emirates and others. So I think we need to do everything we can uh, to ensure that Iran does not have a nuclear weapon use diplomacy when diplomacy doesn't work, then use sanctions, both economic and financial, covert operations as necessary. But let's hope it doesn't get into an actual armed conflict between any number of countries and Iran, because I think we all don't want to consider, as Colin Powell would say, uh, after you've broken it, uh, you now have bought it and you now own it. 
Indeed. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program. I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to have a closing statement of one minute each. So, uh, if you will, General Shafil, we'll start with you. Uh, we remember the mistake that the United States ambassador did in Iraq, not understanding what Saddam Hussein had asked. And as a result of this, uh, Saddam invaded uh, Kuwait. Um, I think at this time, Iran wants to go back to the table and wants to have a deal, but they are talking in a bizarre language that has to be understood. And um, I think the United States needs to take a strong stance and show its uh, uh, strength, willpower um, in reality and not in talking. So uh, I would expect that this is would be part of the U.S. Uh, diplomacy at the end of the day. It doesn't look like it, it is right now, but Israel is trying to pressure the United States to go that path. Uh, we're far away from any military conflict, but the position the United States takes now is really uh, an important step in the beginning of structuring an agreement. Far away, as long as we don't factor in miscalculation, of course. General Kimmett, if uh, you care also to provide your own take on this. Yeah, General Shafiq said to extent this is all about the bazaar. Uh, the one rule of the bazaar is uh, you've got to make sure that you're ready to walk away. I am concerned that the United States is so uh, focused on getting a deal that they may in fact take a bad deal. Indeed, Mr. Owen. Well, President Biden's uh, position seems to be uh, speak softly and carry a big carrot. And um, he is trying to offer this carrot, including uh, Gulf countries' uh, trade with uh, Iran as an incentive uh, to come on, guys, let's cut a deal and, and go home and spend uh, the holidays. But it is only in the uh, movies and animated movies at that that carrots turn into sticks. And uh, one uh, does not see right now the resolve uh, which uh, all three of you have spoken about uh, in the administration. But who knows? Miracles uh, still happen. Indeed. Well, uh, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. And uh, this is a topic that we will have to revisit in the future. However, uh, until that point, uh, let's hope that miscalculation is avoided and that we're able to contend with this reality in a viable manner. I'd like to thank General Shafil, General Kimmett for being uh, part of today's program, as well as our uh, editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.